welcome to the Religion and Popular Culture podcast, where we talk about religion, popular culture, and everything in between. I am your anthropologist of religion, Vivian Asimos, and I am joined, as always, with the sociologist with the most eologist, Alad Thomas. Alad, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Vivian. And how are you? I'm good, and I'm particularly good because we're joined by a new friend of mine, uh, Holly Swinyard. Holly, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. So exciting. So can you, just for our listeners, do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself? Tell them what yeah. you're all about. Uh, so I'm a, I, I guess I get to call myself a pop culture writer at this point. That's my actual job. Oh, it's exciting. Uh, yeah, so I'm a pop culture writer and journalist, and I am a cosplay expert, I guess, at this point. I've been doing it for 15 years, and I it's, it's my special interest. That's the only way I can describe it. I love cosplay, and I love learning about cosplay. And I've written two books about it, so I better love it, you know. Um, but yeah, that's me. I, I do all of that. And I, I also uh, run a volunteer uh, community uh, publication called the Cosplay Journal, which comes out once a year where we throw as much cosplay information into one publication as possible. That's great. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on, well, a couple. One is that I like you. Um, but <laughs> the other reason why I wanted to bring you on was because um, as much as I am currently slowly learning cosplay to become at least expert enough to write a little bit about it, you, as you say, are the expert. Um, and it's nice to bring you on and also to show that uh, expertise can, doesn't have to necessarily have a PhD which yeah. is what we always like to say. I'm sure so, there's somebody out there who would argue that I'm the most expert, but we'll try. I, I will defend my title. <laughs> as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, you are the most expert cosplayer that I can have on. So can you explain a little bit to people about what cosplay is and maybe how you got started into it? Oh god, so cosplay, uh, we'll start with the definition of the word, that's probably the easiest thing. So it's costume and play smushed together and it was coined in 1984. I I know dates. Um, <laughs> in Japan by a Japanese journalist who was looking for a word to describe a hobby he'd kind of come across when he'd visited America uh, and Europe and seen happening at Worldcom. And it's essentially dressing up as characters from popular culture. Uh, obviously it can go back a really long way. You can start going, you, you can pick hairs and you know all that kind of stuff and go all the way back to arguing that it's just dressing up but it does seem to be as far as I'm concerned popular culture characters with a level of uh fandom influence involved rather than just kind of dressing up for Halloween or a party or something like that there, there's more to it than than that kind of thing um I would call it a passion for people uh, maybe even a lifestyle for some that it, it becomes all-encompassing as a hobby rather than like uh, a sort of once of a year event. Alan, have you ever cosplayed out of curiosity? No, but I've been thinking about it recently that it's it's something I would like to do if I had the creative ability to make a good costume. I think that's the thing though now is actually it's got so popular that you don't even necessarily have to make your first one. There are some really good ones you can buy and get some mm. decent quality things and have a go. And then that's that's the joy of it actually I really like is that with its popularity has come more access for people to just have a go at it without thinking I need to sew something, which is really nice um, and gives people that little bug that maybe that'll, you know, convince them to go make something afterwards. So. Mm. Yeah, because I think um, my cosplay that I've kind of thrown together, I I whipped up out of pieces that I found at charity shops. 
Um, and I, I mean, I picked a character that was uh, had a very basic outfit in comparison to many others. So it looked it great. Easy. You looked like the character. Oh, thanks. Like, you know, I could recognize it when I saw it at Calm. It was great. Yeah, Holly got to see me in cosplay. <laughs> well, I was I was about to ask, were you both cosplaying when you met? Not I when was. we met. Not when we met. No. I think I was wearing the same costumes on both. Yeah, occasions. you were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was hoping I to was... see a different one, but whatever. No, no, I'm sorry. When I'm behind the table, I have like a set of like five so that I'm like comfy. I can do things and run around. Um, particularly if I'm doing panels, I have like uh, like a set that I'm like, these ones will be fine. I don't have to panic. Uh, the big exciting ones come out when I'm not doing that. But that's the problem with it being my job as well as like my hobby, I suppose. I don't get to enjoy it in quite the same way. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, are you, when, when you're out researching uh, and collecting data and so on, are you always cosplaying? Are you always part Oh, I, I'm always yeah. interested by insider outsider binaries. So d- d- that line of where how much of your writing a hat is on, or how much of your cosplay hat is on. I don't think I switch them off. Like it depends. If I'm at a convention, I will be in cosplay for at least one of the days. Um, now I tend to have a day where I'm not because, like I said, if I'm working, I'm either doing panels or I'm at behind the table, like literally uh, talking to people and, and doing that kind of stuff, or I'm running around doing photo shoots and getting interviews and everything. And it's kind of impractical to be in a costume there more than anything else. It's just like, you're good, whatever you wear, unless it's a very simple thing. Like I do have one costume. I don't know if you've listened to the Magnus archives, but it's from that, or it's essentially just clothes that I find that are comfy that happens to look like Jonathan Sims. Um, and so it's like, that's quite useful, but mostly I tend to be out of costume if I'm actively working on something, particularly if I'm doing research and interviewing people. Because uh, as Vivian's probably found, it's quite difficult <laughs> to like, like, I'm here, I, I need to talk to you, but I'm wearing a stupid wig, uh, you know, or something like that. Um, and my other house of photographer, so sometimes when we're doing shoots or interviews and stuff, we need to assist each other. So it, it's actually just not particularly easy to be in costume when you're carrying like a, a tripod and a camera rig. Mm. Unless you cosplay as a photographer character and then you can look the part well. We've also done that, to be fair. Like <laughs> we were at this, we went to Discworldcon uh, a few weeks ago, which was great. Uh, and on the first day when we were doing photos and stuff, more than anything else, my other half decided to dress as Otto Shriek, who is the photographer for the Ankh Pork Times. And I dressed as uh, William DeWord, who's the editor and head journalist. And so it was like, we're, we're, we're cosplaying as our jobs. This is great. We got to be characters who actually did that, which was really fun. Uh, I enjoyed that. It's quite nice when you find characters so you can be like, this one, this one will work and be practical. It'll be great fun. So you um, mentioned that you had five behind for when you're behind a table and stuff that you kind of cycle through. How many cosplays, if you were to hazard a guess, how many cosplays do you have in general? How many do I have? In, okay, so how many do I have in rotation, or how many that I have that I've kept? That how I many do you? Wear how because... many do you have like in your closet that you could assemble if we asked you to do it in this moment? <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know <laughs> because I'm just thinking like there's the ones that I have that I'm like these are the ones I wear actively at the moment, and then I have some that I've just kept 
because I like them. And I have some that have sort of morphed into my actual wardrobe. Uh, and then I also have some which in the wardrobe next to me, this is this is my office and I just have an extra wardrobe in here because I run out of space, um, which are pieces that are just too big or too fragile to go anywhere else. So like I have like a feather cape in there that's like hand sewn goose feathers onto onto a cape, which is huge uh, and stuff like that. So I genuinely don't know, maybe 20, maybe something like that. Uh, I'm going to sit here and count while we talk now. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to be working sorry to out. distract you no, with that I won't do that. I'll just get distracted. No, I don't, don't know. Is it really bad that I don't know? Like, I could tell you the ones that I'm actively wearing, like, that are in rotation, but that's probably about it's, it. It's never um, bad as long as you're having fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also, I tend to things for a long time. And I tend to rewear things. So, like, a lot of my costumes are the repair. Um, and I've repaired it and moved it to the, like, next stage. Uh, or I've um remade parts of it and and kind of improved it in some way so there are ones that are kind of more like that that they've been around for a long time which is nice mm. what was your your first cosplay uh my first cosplay I actually know exactly what that was it's Riku from Final Fantasy 10 2 but the version from Kingdom Hearts 2 <laughs> um or at least a kind of summation of the two um some friends of mine basically I ended up going by accident and I had like a week or something maybe two weeks to put a costume together because I got invited and I was like oh my god I need to go to MCM um which wasn't called that at the time it's called just Expo I think London Expo and um yeah I just kind of had to throw something together and that was like I was just playing the game at the time so I was like that'll do that character I like her that'll do so it was quite good fun I enjoyed it obviously I, I kept doing it so Alan you were asking about insider outsider stuff out of curiosity do you see hobbies as a form of insider versus outsider in the same way that you would say scientology or christianity as an insider slash outsider well i i guess this conversation that we're having right now was blurred those lines isn't it between but then, well, Holly, it's, it's, I'm doing that classic thing now where I'm going to deflect the question. But um, <laughs> but what's the point of having Holly on the show if they can't answer my questions? Um, when you're um, when you're researching, when you're interviewing things, do, do you feel that's part of your cosplay experience? Now? So when you go to a con, is is it as much about the research as it is about being part of the community and wearing the costumes? I would say so yeah so this is quite interesting actually because this is exactly what my other half's master's degree is on okay. uh, they're doing a whole project about uh well it's not quite they're basically a photo- they're, because they're a photographer they're doing a photography project of shooting the cosplay community as somebody who is inside of it but is also separate because they're a photographer rather than a cosplayer but they have a place within the community that's accepted as a photographer they they have trust mm-hmm. of the people there which is very similar to like how people would uh, take pictures of the punk community you'd have the photographers who were taking pictures of it as an outsider and then you'd have the ones who were working within the community as part of it um in one way or another and getting the more kind of raw actual images of what the community was like and so I think it's kind of like that is that once you're sort of part of it whether you're wearing the costume or not people know who you are they kind of or they you're able to assimilate into any group like I've been to New York for like I went to New York Comic Con and even though there were days where I wasn't wearing a costume because I knew about cosplay and I was able to talk to people about it, even though they had no idea who it was or who like we were, because there were a few other people, um, 
we were able to be like, oh, we are still part of this. We have the language. We have the, you know, we know how to communicate with you. We know what we're talking about. And so even after a few like awkward moments of like, hi, new people, you'd suddenly just fall into the same conversations you'd have in other places. Of course, there's a cultural difference. Like there's a difference between the American cosplay scene and, and the, the British or, or the UK cosplay scene. Of course there is because there are cultural differences anyway. But mm. as, uh, you know, those that kind of blurs, those cultural differences change because you have like, oh my God, I was con crunching last night in the hotel room or whatever. You have these language keys that people go, oh yeah, I was doing that. I know what you mean. Or like, oh, I've been to this convention as well. Have you been to that one? Oh yeah, no, I have. And I've been to this. So you kind of, uh, you can you can lock into each other that way. Does that answer the question? Please tell me. Answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I think to to address what you were saying, Vivian, I think there's definitely an insider binary to hobbies in that shared collective experience. Um, that also being tapped into something that you know that other people, you know, if you're into something that's particularly niche, for example, mm-hmm. um, so a, a particular TV show or a novel or something like that, that um, if you be, if you if you're really into this one particular book, it can be really easy to then hit it off with somebody who shares that sensibility. Uh, and I'm intentionally using the word sensibility there because so um, often I've certainly found this with the things I enjoy that um, when I meet people who are fans of similar things to me, we often have a similar worldview and we hit it off like that as well. So we're quite aligned, you know, politically and so on. Um, So there's definitely that insider binary, but also Mm. there is outsider as well. Yeah, well, because I find that interesting because whenever I've been talking with academics, they don't tend to see me as needing to worry or think about that dynamic which I find really interesting because it's Mm. definitely a dynamic that I find um because like Holly Mm. was saying you know I didn't start cosplaying until I was I was doing this project I'm not a cosplayer Uh, I wouldn't Mm. define myself by that community and yet I think that academics looking at me would think well I'm I'm a nerd so therefore I am one of them and it's Mm. like well not really (laughs) there's like subsets within this What's really interesting is actually, uh, I think you contacted a friend of mine who sent me a message being like, oh, you you seem to follow Vivi- this person, Vivian. Are they OK to talk to? Oh, because they wanted to know if, um, you know, actually this was somebody who, like if you were a safe person, because we as a community, we often have journalists, academics, uh, particularly from like bigger things like the BBC and stuff come in and be like, we want to make a documentary about you or we want to talk to you and all this sort of stuff. And it normally it's fine, but every so often somebody isn't fine with it or they make comments or the behind the scenes experience while the on-screen experience is, is okay it's a you know whatever um behind the scenes experience was bad or something like that so actually the community does have um you know they do have boundaries and they're very tight and we're very close-knit so like people do worry about that stuff so I think actually you're right to be I wouldn't say worry about it but you're right to be maybe a little bit aware, be aware of the mm. fact that you know the other community it's very small and once you're inside it you're you know I wouldn't say safe because every community has issues and drama and whatever you know people be people and you can't stop that um but like you know it's kind of like you have to cross over into it and I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize that they just think oh you put on a costume you're a cosplayer and it's like there is so much more to it than that and of course you put on a costume you are a cosplayer I'm not going to say you're not involved but you're not necessarily taking the step into the community yet there is kind of more to it than that 
um that sounds very gatekeeping that's what I mean obviously it's like um it's just trying to make sure that people understand that when you know you kind of go on your first meeting to bowls club or whatever and there's going to be people who've been doing it for years and you're still new and so it's just going to take a couple of weeks for you to kind of get involved and get to know people and so it's the same thing so like you start off and you kind of seeing if it works for you and if this kind of community works um and I think that's the, where the insider outsider thing comes. You you start as an outsider because of course you do. And then it doesn't take long to be an insider, but it just takes a few gradual steps of meeting people and talking and for people to become aware of you and be like, oh, cool, you're new. Let's do stuff together. Or, oh, you can join this group and all that kind of stuff. And so it's more like, I don't think you jump from one to the other. It's a slow, it's a more gradual progression um, as both the community and you decide if you want to be there because obviously not every hobby is for everybody and it may be that some people are like you know what this looks fun but maybe I want to try LARP or maybe I want to try historical enactment because this one doesn't quite fit for me um, I feel like I'm rambling sorry <laughs> it's quite no, an interesting no. thing though to look at like the progression of people who particularly teenagers at the moment because it's really popular on TikTok who've only cosplayed on TikTok and then they suddenly come to a convention and realize the community that they were in part, part of on TikTok is not the same community that exists in real life because mm. a lot of cosplayers aren't on TikTok. So maybe the only people they knew were people who were very similar to them. And so they assume that's what it's going to be like when they come to a real life event. And it, it's not because there are people there who are like, I've been doing this for different reasons for a long time, or um, I just, you know, they're just older or they're just a different, you know, a different type of cosplayer or whatever, because actually cosplayers who cosplay from anime uh, will have different language keys with each other than maybe cosplayers who cosplay from like superhero stuff because they're going to have different interests. You're particularly with cosplay because you come to it from a different point of interest depending on your fandom. So while we're all cosplayers, there are anime cosplayers and there are superhero mm. cosplayers and the likelihood is you will eventually cross over with each other and you will all become friends and it doesn't matter. But when you're joining the community, you're coming from different angles with different kind of things. It, you know, hopefully you'll all, you know, be happy and friends and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to jump in there and ask you a question. You said something like I said, people be people in, and yeah. that doesn't always happen. Um, some, something you mentioned that was really interesting about how hopefully you can, you know, you've got your anime cosplays, you've got your superhero cosplays, players, you know, and hopefully then everybody can click and get on. Um, I, I don't know if this is because I spend all my time researching groups who pretty much hate each other, but <laughs> is, is there some sort of um. I don't want to say the word elitism, that's such a char charged word, but are there some types of cosplayers that are notoriously different to others? Like, um, is, is there a type I, of cosplayer that you wouldn't find at something like MCM because I they're a bit more specialised? So. I mean, I think if you went to a specific event, so say if you went to an anime convention, you would be less likely to see people cosplaying from superheroes or maybe from uh game of thrones or something like that at that event because it's specifically an anime convention but that's not you know it's not a hard and fast rule because mm. people will be like oh i'm just going to a con so i'll wear the thing i want to wear um i do think people tailor a bit to the event like mcm is so everything it's just a mm. big mash of all the things that like i wouldn't say that one anybody particularly they just go i'm gonna wear this um though it's nice what i quite like about mcm is a less so now but it used to very much be the one you brought your big showpiece to um, and now they're kind of looking at getting the big competitions back. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, that seems to be kind of going back in di that direction again, which is great. But I would say that, like, if you went to, uh, you know, if you go to one that's specifically for a specific fandom, like there are conventions for Star Trek and, you know, obviously the Star Wars Celebration, which will be next year and, and things like that. So people do kind of tailor those costumes, but mm. I wouldn't say there's like a particular elitism about it. 
because that's nice to hear yeah you know and why there might be a thing of like oh my goodness those annoying teenagers that's just because they're teenagers right <laughs> you know nothing wrong yeah. with teenagers but it when you're 30 you eventually. don't necessarily you know when you're you know I I've just turned 30 this year and maybe I got grumpier because of that I don't know but um <laughs> I found going back to conventions I was like oh they're all so young oh no have I become one of the uh, the you know mm obviously like they're going to it's just you're a different generation right so that's you're just going to have different interests you're going to have different ways of approaching things that's normal and I think expecting people to necessarily be best buds in that situation is strange um I don't tend to hang out with teenagers in my mm, daily life yeah, so I shouldn't I've, hang out with them as probably a good like, that would be really weird <laughs> <laughs> probably a good rule for 30 yeah. year olds to yeah, live by exactly. to not hang like, out with maybe teenagers don't, don't hang out with teenagers um but that being said you know there is a kind of thing about conventions where older cosplayers take younger ones under their wing and become like their con-parent and like look after. i don't want to say rules guidelines of the community and like um con etiquette and stuff like that like how to approach people so it's quite a you know that does that is pretty common which is nice because it means that those people while you may not be <laughs> hanging out with teenagers you're looking out for them and making sure they're okay so I guess that would be different kind of groups like I guess there are cliques I guess you know there are people who are like we cosplay this thing you cosplay that thing but again it's it's not hard and fast and people you know it's so freeform mm. and it's just you know it's like any hobby and any kind of community group because it's so big that you're not going to know everybody but mm. I kind of hope I'm making sense sorry yeah, no, yeah, yeah you absolutely are. Of... I'm just really interested one of the oh, things okay, that I have found really interesting about cosplay is that there's a second dynamic to it, um, which is the audience perspective, or for lack of a better term, but the the, the people who are not cosplaying but are there and watching mm -hmm. the cosplay and feeling like they can comment and interact with that. Um, and I think that's where you sometimes see that kind of elitism and that kind of um, more what are you doing wearing that or that character didn't have a this thing they had a different looking sword yeah, and certain, things like that for certain like I would say that almost all and I'm not gonna say that all issues within the cosplay community come from outside of it because that would be in, that would just obviously not again the people problem but um I would say that a lot of the issues with the elitism with seeing one cosplayer is better than another cosplayer, which is just not true, um, comes from people who are observing it or I, I almost call them like consumers of cosplay, like they're choosing to consume it as a, a con piece of content mm. rather than mm. as somebody's hobby who they are choosing to share with you. Um, they see it as like, oh, that's the same as somebody do an actor or something putting a piece of media out or an influence or whatever which it's not um mm. you know some people become cosplay influencers and of course they do you know it's the internet but like that's not people's reason for starting it for the most part and so if somebody you know who doesn't follow me comes onto my instagram and goes you did this thing wrong and you're not holding your gun right or your wig's bad or whatever like i'm gonna be like and why are you here but obviously like it does affect people's you know if people get a lot of those messages it does affect them or like if they're constantly compared to another cosplayer that's not fair and of course you'll have people who are made famous by having or internet famous I suppose by like having particularly uh screen accurate costumes or uh people like Alice and Tabitha who are really good at like makeup or whatever she's very good at that sort of transformation makeup and so she she gets a, a lot of 
followers for that. Um, and then, you know, there is a real problem with the fact that lots of people who consume cosplay assume the whole point of it is to look as much like the character as is physically possible. Mm. And that's not the point of it at all. The whole mm. point is to transform yourself into that character in some way, yes, but in a way that they're transforming into you at the same time, that it's a sort of it's a halfway house of like, I love this character, and so I want to look like them. I want to take aspects of them and their personality. I want to wear their costume, but I'm becoming them in that that means that my body, my appearance, all of that kind of stuff is that character for the day. You're living it rather than oh, I want to be the perfect, most amazing version of this character, like a living doll. And that's not really the point. I mean, again, there'll be people, like everyone has their own reason for doing a hobby like this. And so there are some people who will be like, I want to be as accurate as possible. I want to get everything right. I want to have the makeup correct, all that kind of stuff, which is fine. If that's how they have fun in it, that's what they take enjoyment from. Great. And, you know, I've definitely thought, I definitely do that with some of my costumes because I enjoy the challenge. But at the same time, I'll have other costumes like uh, I just made uh, Rain from Owl House and I didn't like their trousers. So I changed them. I was like, I did them with the trousers that they had in the show. And I was like, no, this isn't working for me. I'm doing something else. I'm going to make them differently because I don't like this. It doesn't look right on my body and my body type. So I'm going to make it look like something that I'm more comfortable in. Um, Does that make me any less of a good version good in inverted commas version of rain no it means that it's my version of rain and i think that's something that a lot of people could particularly people who are coming in and looking at cosplayers pictures could could stand to learn about is that it's about seeing that person's creativity and their transformation like i kind of fully i've had this argument with people i very much put cosplay into the transformative area of fandom even though yeah there is a thing about accuracy and all that kind of stuff i don't think it i think the very act of putting a costume on your body, no matter how screen accurate it is, is transformative because you are not the person. You are making the person you, and you are literally putting yourself in the story by doing that. And that is not only transformative, but it's pretty radical for a lot of people to do. If you're not, if you don't look exactly like them, and very few people do, by putting your own form into something that is meant to be a certain actor or a certain look and all that kind of stuff, particularly if you're maybe a person of color or you're trans uh, you're trans or even if you're plus size which it's very sad that all of those things aren't represented in media but you put yourself into that that character and you you actively make them you which is great and I I really enjoy that that's part of the aspect of it that I find the most enticing I suppose Uh, and I definitely haven't written a lot about that. I think um, it also means that cosplay can be very subversive in a really cool way. Uh, And this is where I see a lot of people when they take agency over it, um, which happens, you know, in obviously very small ways, you know, like your shifting of the trousers. Um, But it can also be in really major ways, like changing the gender identity of the character in order to fit one that you're comfortable with portraying for example um that can be incredibly transformative of the text as well as making a big statement about the original text which um from a myth standpoint um (laughs) i mean i've talked a lot about on this podcast before about how myth can be transforming uh transformed over time and how it's 
it's not something that is very static. It's not something that's written down and then never changed. It was stuff that was spoken and was altered actively by storytellers who wanted to change the story to fit their own social norms, to fit the politics that they wanted, to fit the gender identities they wanted to represent, all of those things. And um, that cosplay in a way is doing that same exact thing, but in a very active physical mm. viewing sense rather than in a textual sense. Absolutely. And I would argue, so there's fan art and so there's fanfic and all mm. that kind of stuff, you know, they all do that. And that's why I'm like, um, I think that that's why it's so so radical like you said it's so kind of um subversive that well you know I'm not <laughs> you know some of my cosplays I am absolutely not that you know I'm not uh, a six foot two ginger man uh in Star Wars but <laughs> I can make that costume if I want to and wear it you know mm. um and that's kind of I think that's really that yeah there's something about that that just feels incredible like you're taking charge of your own identity in a way that I think many people don't necessarily do um because you're trying to you're trying to see yourself in a different way and framing yourself differently like literally putting a different set of clothes on and and a different look and all that kind of stuff and putting yourself into a position that you would never be like I am not uh a you know space uh what a bad guy Hux uh, no like absolutely not like I do not have I do not hold any of the same ideals as this horrible human being uh nor do I want to do any of the things that he did but there is something really interesting about putting yourself in the shoes of a villain and being like oh what does that feel like for a day or or, or like at six hours or whatever being that that bad person what does that feel like uh that's quite fun you know and I, I imagine mm. actors kind of feel the same when they put themselves into the, those those different things but when you do it as a cosplayer, like one day, actually, I can go from being General Hux on the Saturday to being, uh, now I'm just thinking, what was I doing last time I wore Hux? Oh, I think I then wore probably BB-8, who's <laughs> a ball droid <laughs> on the Sunday. Very, very different vibe. But, you know, I can kind of switch it up and change it and be like, you know, I want a, a friend of mine cosplayed as Baby Yoda. You know, she made a Grogu costume that, you know of course she's not a tiny green alien but it worked so, you know she made herself into that and it was so obvious that that's what it was and it was great and it was so clever I think um, those are often that. the most fun ones aren't they? oh yeah absolutely but the ones that catch you off guard and and there's a certain charm to it as well that I I can't describe because um I'm, I'm, I'm not as versed in uh cosplay as uh, you folks are but certainly when I look online, you know what you were saying just now about um, outsiders in inverted commas being like consumers and expecting a certain thing from cosplay. I think that's really what influenced my comment at the start of this discussion when Vivian asked me if I've ever cosplayed. And I said, no, because I don't think I could make it look good. And by good, I meant as much like the character as possible, because... I've only ever been to one con and it was about 12 years ago. So I do need to address that. <laughs> um, but so when, so when I see people cosplaying online and I think, oh yeah, that looks really cool. And then look at the comments and then there'll be a comment. They're like, oh, you know, this cosplay shit. Cause you don't have this particular gun or you, you know, you, you don't have this color hair or whatever. Um, and and, you know, I don't, I don't know what that does to the person who's posted it because it brings me down just reading it and it's not my 
cosplay and I'm not the person posting it. Um, so it's just bad vibes all around. And I think that's then affected my mentality of, oh, well, if I, if I went to a car, no, I'll probably just go in my own clothes because I wouldn't want people to look at my cosplay and think, oh, that jacket's rubbish. Or... The thing is, I don't think, like, those people, I think, much like anything online, they really kind of only voice those sorts of things online. And if anybody said that made that comment, in you know at a con or, or at a cosplay event people would be uh i think there'd be a lot of people who'd be really upset you know there's always going to be like i think it's know. a sign as well that they've never actually cosplayed because if they try to <laughs> they would realize that they can't look exactly like this yeah particular character this particular alien or whatever exactly and like you see it when people making comments even about like uh you know the we're gonna have to use star wars because literally the only thing in my brain right now because the uh 23 is happening and they're just doing Star Wars announcements uh, but like you see people talking about how oh this alien doesn't look exactly how it looked in this animated version and so therefore it's bad and it's like shockingly that thing is really difficult to take from the animated world into real life you know uh, and there's only so much they can necessarily do for this show they might improve it for the next one when they've had a bit more time and a bit more budget or um you know they've been able to work out oh actually we did this last time let's change it to this because that's how you know it works in costumes sometimes you need time to actually work out how something is going to look or how mm -hmm. something's going to scan on screen or stuff and you can say yeah they've got this massive budget and they've got you know they're making a tv show or something but they're still on a deadline there's you know and they're still they still have to make that deadline with the show. So um, obviously there are issues with that. Like there's a lot of issues around how Marvel do uh, do things, and they they push out content really fast, and that is a problem. But at the same time, you can't just be like, we're going to make a TV show, and we're going to take five years making it, so every single detail is completely perfect for you, the viewer, which you'll still already still moan about again. I mean, <laughs> Rings of Power is getting that like like they've sp spent a long time making that show, and people are still moaning about it. So. Well, that was what yeah, I was thinking yeah. of when Vivian was saying about how myths sound static, that they're constantly changing and being retold by people. And it was this whole discourse surrounding Rings of Power right now that sprung to mind for me and that stories are being retold. I find that really interesting because I actually think Tolkien himself, as somebody who looked at myths and from them and, and studied them and stuff like that, would be fascinated by how people are retelling his own stories. I think that would I don't think he'd want them to remain static either. And I find that discourse strange. Because mm. like, oh no, we're never allowed to change the text that Tolkien went and looked at all these other things and nicked from and made his own version of. Yeah, yeah no, we're definitely yeah. not allowed to do that. I mean, some of this stuff is also people who haven't read it, like the um, issues of um, one of the elves being played by a person of color, and it's like, well, they were described as as dark of skin in the book. So yeah, there's plenty of descriptions <laughs> in the book. Like it's just like, what are you? Hmm. Um, and also like it shouldn't. It also shouldn't necessarily even matter. Like shockingly whole like a whole species of elves are not going to be a this mythical thing. creature has to be a specific race like what, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange so strange um i actually think like the the person they keep moaning about as well i'm always like have you seen him have you like he's the most elf looking person that that could ever exist <laughs> like what's wrong with you look at him and go yes he's definitely magical my goodness <laughs> you know like like the perfect bone structure and like these piercing blue eyes and you're like mm. what's wrong with you all <laughs> like jesus mm. christ uh i think we know what's wrong it's fine um oh uh, i actually been really enjoying rings of power i have to say uh though i have played shadow of war too much and so my brain's just like Stella Brimbor you bastard <laughs> you know you 
I have yeah. not been watching it, but um, I'm trying to decide how much I want to. My issues would have absolutely nothing to do with people of color. <laughs> That's fair enough. I think there are some issues with it. but I, I, um... I know what you would dislike about it, Vivian, is the fact that every episode is over an hour long. That is precisely what I would hate about that's yeah. fair enough. <laughs> they uh, are long episodes. I am struggling through Sandman and those are like 45 to 50 minutes. They are really long. They kind of feel like that's the problem I'm having is they're really long. And yet at the same time, at the end of each one, I'm like, why is there not more? I need more now um, because I love it. And just seeing Numenor on screen made me cry. Like I literally mm. was like, oh, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like I have like literally Elvish tattooed on my body. Like that's my level of love for for Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you sit through the films? <laughs> did you do it in, like twenty minute chunks? No, I don't. I I think I don't mind. I, I, well, first of all, I'm not a big fan of movies, but I'll sit through a Lord of the Rings movie, especially the original like trilogy, because oh. those are just they still look amazing. They're amazing. Um, so I but I I think movies, I don't mind sitting down and watching so much. Like if I'm going to watch something long, it should be a movie. I'm not going to sit and watch a movie that is one episode of a TV show. <laughs> That's right. It was when the Stranger Things finale happened this year, and I was like, "Cool, so we've got like five more episodes." Oh no, we have two more episodes, and they're both one is nearly two hours long, and one is like two and a one oh. was like two and a half hours long. So I'm like, "That's not an episode. That's a movie. You're giving me a movie." Well, is that what you I know? have to look forward to? <laughs> I don't think it's actually quite long. It felt that long. It was. It kept happening. It's actually. Honestly, it was thirty minutes. It just felt like two hours. Yeah. They kept just being like, and another ending, and another ending, and like I've watched. Like we've talked about this. I've watched like the the Lord of the Rings, and I've watched the extended editions particularly. So like I'm used to a film that just keeps going. But I was like, wow, they're just there's just more. It just there's just more of that. You know. Every time I thought I was about to turn off and be like, oh it's gonna be I've gotta wait for the next series now no another five minutes it was really weird I did have um a personal question so feel free to not answer if you would like Mm -hmm. to not um but when we were talking about the subversive nature of cosplay and and the agency and control and all that kind of stuff does it feel empowering is the only word I can think of and it feels very girl bossy but I I (laughs) I mean that like like does it does it feel empowering to wear cosplay so yes and no I think some it's really weird because like some costumes I have almost like a visceral thing with of like this is amazing I feel amazing and that can be uh, in a kind of good way or a bad way so like actually I keep coming back to Hux, but it's a perfect example. Hux is like one of those questions. I can I walk down the packed concourse at MCM and I people will move. And that is a feel like you don't I mean to be fair, it might be have something to do with the fact that my partner cosplaying as Kylo Ren in their big shoes about six foot walking behind me. But you know, the two it's quite good fun doing it together as the two of us. And it genuinely is like a feeling of like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. But then uh so and I apologize to everyone listening because I'm about to say some a word that people will hate, but it's his name. Uh so when I cosplay as Moist for Litvig from Discworld, I'm wearing a gold regency suit. How can you not feel brilliant in a gold regency suit with a gold hat with wings? And you know, it's just like every single photo of me I've got the biggest smile on my face and I'm having the best time and like it's just kind of this feeling of like I feel so myself right now you know and it, it's like a bigger let me turned up to 11 you know 
Um, but then I have other costumes where I become, because of the character, um, and this is my own experience with other people, but I become very subdued in them because maybe that character is like that. So again, I cosplay as another character in Discworld, Mort, who is the apprentice of death, like literally death, the personification of. Um, and he is meant to be almost invisible. He stands in the background. He's behind not only this figure of, you know, the, the, Grim, uh, the Grim Reaper, but he's also meant to literally be unseen by the living very much become very inward in that costume and like that I'm not in the space I don't take up space in it uh, which is a very strange thing and it was it's weird to notice that when you kind of go from one to the other um, and then I have other costumes that I kind of feel are very close to my own personality and so it doesn't feel that different it's just like this is very me and this is how I would like I kind of perceive myself more in it and so it, it kind of changes it shifts depending on the character um, I think that's quite a difficult thing to explain and I don't know if that's true for everybody because it may be that some people always pick the characters where they can walk and people move out of their way but they like being that kind of um, I don't want to say bombastic but maybe uh, they've got a, a certain level of um, aura that moves people when they come into a space or it may be they like being the Captain Americas where they get to be the hero they get to be that version of themselves that's dialed up really high and so they only pick characters like that. But for me, I tend to I tend to switch things up a lot because I'm going to be honest, if I wore the gold suit every day, I would be absolutely insufferable. I would be horrible. <laughs> and that would be zero fun for anybody. Um, so there is a certain thing of that. But I think the other thing that I found is as somebody who's non-binary, when I cosplay as characters who, and this has only happened twice, who are my own gender, and get to actually see myself in them as like that element of me, which is so rare to see, that's brilliant. That is something that is almost indescribable because I'm so often, even in my day-to-day -day life, I am being perceived as playing a gender that is not my own. Like I'm perceived as being female when that's not what I am. Um, and then when I'm in costume, I might be being perceived as being male when that's not what I am. And so to have a character that other people know is my gender and so they perceive me in that that doesn't happen that frequently and so that's amazing that's something completely different um thank you for people who are creating diverse media it's great <laughs> have you ever um transformed a character that is traditionally binary um into a non-binary version um yeah i know because i don't really know how i would. I don't I, would, I don't I mean you'd yeah. have to go the very stereotypical androgynous which isn't mm. always what non-binary is I'm aware but I'm just yeah um no I kind of make an argument for the fact that if it's on my body that character becomes non-binary because mm. I'm non-binary but obviously people aren't necessarily going to perceive that because they they know that character's pronouns or they know or you know they make an assumption when they look at you um but from my point of view if I'm that being that character then if I'm like, well, actually, I don't want to take on he, him pronouns, or I don't want to take on she, she, her pronouns. I, I'm, I'm still a they, them. And so therefore this character that I'm wearing today is also a they, them, because I don't like it when people get that wrong. Um, so it's like, you know, if I'm being, uh, and also like, I tend to pick characters who I think have a sort of weird, um, unusual energy to them anyway like characters who maybe you know people out there do have head cannons for them being non-binary or trans in some way like that seems to be a 
like a weirdly common thing that I do. And I, I didn't notice that I was doing it until someone pointed out that like you pick these characters who people hate canon as trans. I'm like, uh, not on purpose, but now you say it, <laughs> you know. Um, so that was quite interesting. Like I didn't realize that people headcanoned uh Mr. Litvig, I won't say his first name, I know people get upset by it. Um as uh uh gender squiffy human. Uh and then it turned out people did, and I thought that was quite interesting. I was like, it does make sense to me, but I didn't I didn't do it on purpose, you know. So I so what I find interesting, and, and this has come up in our conversations before, as well as my conversations with other cosplayers, is the, the, the distinction that you just made of when I'm wearing uh, a character that makes them my gender because it's my body, which is obviously the gender that you are. <laughs> uh, but um, what I find interesting is comparing it to another form of dress play which would be drag. So if I, I am a cis woman, if I was doing a drag king performance, I would expect people when I'm in that character mode to use he, him pronouns because that is my character is mm. male. Um, and I find, and, and you as well as many other cosplayers that I've spoken to have always discussed the importance of using the cosplayers pronouns when discussing no matter who they are and I find that a really interesting distinction between cosplay and drag where there is still the role of the cosplayer is still as present in a way that say the role of the drag performer is not supposed to be as present in comparison to the persona yeah, it's really interesting. I've never really thought about it like that, but I suppose you're right because with drag, you're creating a sec, almost like a second version of you, or, mm. a, or a, like you said, a persona or a, a personality that is a character that is created by you to. Uh, and this is as far as I'm aware of it. Like I'm, I'm not a drag performer, so like I'm going from <laughs> my own kind of outsider perspective, I guess. Um, but as far as I'm aware, it's to do with the discussion of you know you're kind of projecting some other some stuff into that character that you want to do and it maybe makes you more confident or, or, or whatever um whereas I think with cosplay because it's I don't know how to describe it like I was talking to another cosplay about this the other day and we talked about it as it's almost like you're you're living the experience of that character of that thing through yourself and so it's almost like the self of the person wearing the costume is is still as present like they're not choosing to create a secondary persona and some people might like you know I'm not going to say there aren't cosplayers out there who don't have that element of like when they're in the character they are that character and they have those pronouns and they that's how they want to be perceived like of course though, though, there are people who do that who who edge that a little bit closer to maybe those drag personas with their cosplay like that's definitely uh, a type of cosplay that I've seen it's definitely a type of sort of cosplay performance that I've seen being done but I think for a lot of people it's because it's more about it's more about the self-identity and I think identifying yourself in characters like you're looking at something that you didn't create necessarily like obviously people do cosplay as their own characters every so often but you're often looking at something that's been created by something else that you or something else somebody else um that you see an element of who you are within so like um I'm gonna try and pick like the character I like okay cool so I'm just about making from the Bad Batch which is one of the Star Wars shows for anybody who doesn't know um 
And it was the first one of the first times I saw a character with a Star Wars, a franchise I absolutely loved, who I went, oh my goodness, I really identify with that character. There is something about them that makes me be like, oh, wow, that's me. I see so much of myself here. And so like cosplaying as tech is really important to me. And it's something that I'm going to enjoy possibly more than any of my other Star Wars costumes, which like I made Hux because it seemed like a fun idea to be a bad guy. I made BB-8 because it seemed fun and cute and silly. And I wanted you know I wanted to design what that would look like so they were different challenges and different ideas whereas with this one I'm like I have to be that person because they are so similar to me and they have so many traits that I have and I I identify with that and I think I wonder whether it's because there is that I don't want to say self-insert because I kind of I don't want people to be like Mary Sue um about it all but there is a certain level of inserting yourself into the narrative and so rather than you being that you know being a new person you are placing the person you already are into a story that you love sorry that was really rambly I think I kind of got that <laughs> it's a difficult thing to talk about and I don't because mm. everyone's different and that's my own experience I guess mm. no I'm glad I got to talk to you about it because it was one of those things that I kept thinking about as well yeah, I'd love to be honest. It's a conversation I would absolutely love to have with a drag performer and to, and maybe with somebody who is kind of in that sort of in-between space of doing cosplay and drag at the same time. I, w- I think it would be a fascinating discussion to have. And I would love to know because, you know, it's all opinion and subjective and personal experience and stuff. So there is no right answer, but it would be a really fascinating conversation to have. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to have that conversation <laughs> with somebody. Invite me along so I can listen yeah. quietly in some bushes. <laughs> I was like, Vivian's here to just take notes. I mean, I will be there purposefully and ethically <laughs> presenting. And not in a bush. I will not be in a bush hiding and pretending yep. that I'm not there. Oh, I'm only do ethical research. <laughs> I, well, this isn't quite nice for me because obviously this is far more your research area than mine, given what you're working on at the moment. So I'm just absorbing. Because yeah, so much I'm using this, this half as an opportunity to have an interview with Holly. <laughs> Very smart. Just record it. It can go. In, it's fine. Very smart. But no, no. I mean, I, I think um because because we've had a conversation for a good like four to five hours or something at one point, just talking about all yeah. sorts of stuff. And I unfortunately and okay didn't because... record anything. And no, I did exactly the same thing. The only thing I wrote down was a weird drawing of a swimming pool. <laughs> like I looked back at my notes and was like, the only thing I've done is drawn Vivian's description of swimming pool fandom. Uh, which, which I'm sure Alan like. will remember that the swimming pool is a conversation about belief. Yes. <laughs> uh, that that diagram may end up in my book with a uh, Vivian <laughs> citation <laughs> of a, like citation yeah. of like this is overly this caffeinated Vivian in Reading. Yeah, yeah, that uh, the the swimming pool analogy is definitely Vivian's party trick. Yeah, I it's, it's, very good, it's a very good. It's a very good party trick. You know, I'm have me at parties. I'll talk about swimming pools. <laughs> the swimming pool analogy. Uh, it works for so many things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I think on the train back, I was madly scribbling whatever I could, little pieces that I <laughs> could remember from things. I mean, to be fair, you were like, you should read this academic. And I sat on the train and, and tried to read the academic and then went, oh, I'm going to smack my head against was the that, window. Was, because... that, was that Judith Butler? Yeah, I was like, yeah. why is this so difficult to read? I, think I even told you at the time of like, you can read someone else talking about what she's written yeah. about. I did. I literally was like, "Well, I'm just gonna look it up and say, oh no, I'm not doing this. Right? Go and find go and find a YouTube video to like explain it to me. Thank you very much. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with a bit of that. No, that's what I've always oh. done with um, 
Karl Marx. That's if you, fair. Have, if you ever want to know yeah. anything about Karl Marx, read what other people have written by, uh, about him, because my God. A uh, friend of the pod, Paul, will be very upset with me to hear that I do that with Foucault. <laughs> <laughs> Again, fair enough. Oh, I literally have a stack about this book, big, of like academic books next to my desk at the moment, which all have just like little tabs on them with things going, go look this up on the internet. I don't really <laughs> understand what this says. Or there are literal notes in it that I've written on the books because I'm that terrible person where it's like, this person is pretentious and needs to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> particularly when you get like art academics trying to talk about fandom it's it's really funny because they're clearly trying to look at it from like an artistic point of view and I'm like it's not gonna work <laughs> the methodology is different here mm. try again yeah it's I, a whole problem in general about how I want to fight them <laughs> how we present what we write because both you know both Vivian and I are academics but we've always said that we at least uh, at least I hope it shows in my work that I try to do this I try to make it as uh, accessible as possible and that's being I'm being mean about that but no there's some really good essays in there but there's at least three where I'm like this person me and him behind behind the Burger King we're going at it you know <laughs> we're having I I just read two chapters because that's all I could get through of a academic book on cosplay which will remain unnamed while being recorded because I don't want to too to get on too many people's bad side i i think i know which one you mean but it was horrendous yeah oh my god <laughs> i had I've read a I mean, lot of i, I have it downloaded so i'm able to make notes in the margins and stuff a lot easier um and uh luckily i downloaded the book and didn't spend any money on it but i <laughs> i wrote there were so many points in the margin where i went what the absolute fuck <laughs> So when I was researching for the two books I wrote about cosplay, which are sort of a history of sort of a social look at sort of a how do you do this as a hobby kind of thing. Like they, I think my publisher thought they were going to be tutorial books and then they came back with these weird pseudo-academic texts and they're like, all right. Um, I was reading so many books by other people about cosplay who had clearly only ever engaged with cosplayers by like sitting down in a weird academic setting and talking to them and probably not even, maybe going to like one event oh it was strange it was really like this is so surreal seeing what other people perceive us to be and how wrong it is oh it's really odd very odd mm. quite a lot of them were by white men i have to say sorry alad <laughs> there was a certain no, level of like, no no no, no yeah. offense taken <laughs> alad is aware <laughs> yeah i'm very aware um yeah that is interesting. Isn't it? What he's saying about sitting in the corner and just taking notes, because level of participation is an interesting one. Because um, with the groups I've studied, I haven't really been able to participate. Mm. Or if I have, there's always been that binary of, oh, "Well, you're just here for research." It sounds like Vivian's able to pass that. I don't. I don't want to say gatekeeping, but is able to pass the threshold of researcher as well as inside because she's able to also she's able to go and have a good time because well, I, I was about to say I think part of the bigot difference is that I research fun people well yeah. <laughs> you, you you know also you, I think like cosplayers like we want more more join join the cult come join us you know in a fun fun way not calling cosplay a cult it's not I promise I haven't no, no, don't, don't worry there's playing a sheet based video game about that it's okay. It's okay. Oh, I, I, I do have I'm to say, add you, 
Sorry, go on, Vivian. Uh, just a quick, quick, quick insert, because uh, we were talking about Cult of the Lamb before we started recording. Um, and I have been playing it, but Alan, you will really enjoy this. I have been naming all of my followers in the cult after religious studies scholars. Brilliant. And um, I just got to the point where I was running out of names, and so I have an Alan. <laughs> oh. But well, Alan now wants to be sacrificed. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> And anything to escape this uh, hell escape. Alan came running up to me and was like, please kill me, it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> have you had the one that comes up to you and asks to eat a bowl of poop? Yes, I have had that one. Why? I think that was Marion, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if you were keeping it like cult new religions focused. No, no, it's just oh, any scholar religion I could think of. I've got Tyler in there as well. God, you've got so many members in your cult that you I actually have a ran lot out of names of members of my me. cult. <laughs> I'm a yeah. good cult leader. Thank you You're very a good much. Cult You're leader. a good little lambykin. <laughs> God, I love it so much. I'm not very Sorry, good at Alan. it. It's fun, but it's well, fun. Uh, your use of the word cult or naming me one of your uh... <laughs> both, as well as interrupting you in order to suddenly talk about my cults. I was just going to say for a disclaimer for anybody who hasn't, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, there's no such thing as cults. There's just religions or movements you like or you don't like. You can go and listen to last season's episode of the Mary Cosby cult um, if you're interested. However, and I do want to add this as well, the way people use cult is very interesting, especially if they use it as a term of empowerment. And if they do that, then... Good on you. I wholeheartedly spoke that, but from a critical perspective. <laughs> if, I, if I was to mark a piece of work and somebody's using the word cult, I'm thinking, okay, well, you're bringing in your value judgments here, aren't you? <laughs> but... It's that thing where every, whenever I see a journalist having bias in, on, on my back, judging me. But if somebody's using the word cult to be able to navigate their way through life, particularly after an episode of trauma or so forth, then that can be an entirely valid and helpful tool for them. I want to have a whole conversation with you about people who survive, like who leave these uh, religions and and Mm. that's, that's, but probably not now while we're talking about cosplay and fandom. Uh, Yeah. This is what often happens with me and Vivian as we go off on these tangents. So don't worry. Yeah. Maybe next time that you're down South visiting me, Alan, we'll swing by Holly. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's we'll hang out. have another five hour coffee session. Anyway, cosplay. It's very interesting. Uh, I actually think it's like one of my favorite parts of fandom in general. Like that, you know, fandom's huge, but I do find cosplay to be the most exciting part of it. I think so much going on. It's always changing. People are always doing something new. It it it's just it kind of this I don't mean this in a bad way, but like I kind of feel like fanfic and fan art kind of stagnate in like what they are like I know that if I'm going to look at fanfic that I'll find certain tropes and I'll find certain things and every so often that changes or whatever Mm. but I kind of know what I'm getting into and that's not a bad thing I quite like that but with cosplay I kind of feel like every so often somebody does something completely bonkers and you're like didn't see that coming cool that's new and exciting or it might be didn't see that coming oh no that's really bad um (laughs) see certain cosplayers making interesting choices about um you know painting themselves certain colors I, I, like I, was, I was wondering if that yeah. was where you were gonna go yeah um it's the there's a there was a cosplayer who literally made like a weird silicon skin suit 
and it looked like a black man and it was and she was a white woman it was it was very weird it was like that feels almost like Hannibal-esque you know for so and it was just weird and wrong for so many reasons strange strange things (laughs) you know who knows what's going to happen next in the world of cosplay it could be like this week oh was it last week actually now uh, where the World Cosplay Summit decided to hold itself in Saudi Arabia for some reason. Everyone went, wait, what? You're doing what now? Uh, an incredibly queer and, and female-led community, and you're going to do that? Great. We love that. That's really good. <laughs> I, had to make, I had to go and annoy some people at Amnesty International to see, like, could we, could we do something about this? It's very weird. Uh, turns out, no, we can do nothing because it's a private organisation. They can do what they want. Mm. Oh, well. But, you know, weird stuff that happens in the world of cosplay. If people want to know more about you and follow you and all of your writing endeavors, uh, Holly, where can they go? Um, So the best place to follow me is Instagram. That's really the only social media that I use in any kind of active sense, which is, and I hope if you probably need to write it down, but it's, Littlest Prince, so L-I-L-I-S-T, Prince, or one word. Uh, so that's just my personal one. Or if you want to follow the Cosplay Journal, which is m- more interesting, to be honest, uh, that's at the Cosplay Journal on Instagram and just at Cosplay Journal on Twitter. Uh, and the website is thecosplayjournal.co.uk, I think, or we.com. Oh, I'm going to have to check that now. I've said it out loud. I'm going to have to check. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh dot com there we go the cosplayjournal.com it's been a while since i've actually had to not have it on like a flyer you know to ask uh, oh, yeah. holly where we can find their lovely writing oh my writing uh so my books are available in any good bookshop from pen and sword publishing which is exciting that i don't have to they're, they're actual real books in like waterstones and stuff at school uh and they're called a guide to tv and film Cos- cosplay and a guide to manga anime and video game cosplay uh just so people know film and tv cosplay is book one anime and manga cosplay is book two they cover different topics you will find different things in them um so if you're interested in two different types of uh, ideas and things like that you can have a look at both and keep so an eye out for a forthcoming books. book as well uh, yes. on fandom. Yeah, which uh, has yet to be named because I keep changing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you follow Holly. <laughs> yeah, then you'll find out before I do what it's called now. Um, when my publisher gets annoyed at me and just names it, which is definitely not what happened last time. No, it's not, it's fine. That's mean. <laughs> they were very nice about it last time. <laughs> Alan, if people want to harass you about what you should be cosplaying next and then tell you that you got it all wrong, where can they go? Yes, yes. So if people want to tell me that um, my beard is too rubbish to cosplay a particular character, then they can find me on Twitter at Thomas. Oh, and I should add, I don't know when this podcast is coming out. End of but, September? End of September. Okay, well, about a couple of weeks after this uh, this episode comes out, uh, my book's going to be available in paperback, Ooh! which means it's going to be semi-affordable. Um, so uh, Freeze on Scientology on Bloomsbury, go and find it. And if you've got a spare £20 to spare, so it's still pretty pricey. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but as it's I better say, than 90 quid. It's better than 90. It's a lot. There are far better things you can do with 90 quid than buy my book. 
Your, and the that's where I leave my ninety text. pounds. Mm-hmm. Academic publishing sucks. It's, oh uh, my goodness! It's, it's yeah. Get your libraries to order any. I'm going to stay over here on non-academic publishing. It, it's less. Okay. It's much better. <laughs> People will actually read what you write. <laughs> As so someone who has shifted into non-academic publishing, definitely yeah. worth it. We uh, we found out at a conference last week that 90% of academic journals are never cited and 50% of them are only ever read by the author and the peer reviewer. Oh, no. Yeah. Now so, I feel bad because my work, I, I the journal, the cosplay journal has been cited in academic papers. And that was the proudest moment of my life. Somebody <laughs> thought we were good enough to cite in a, in a thesis. I was like, yes. No, no more, more people have read your journal. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Oh, that's quite funny. And Vivian, plug yourself. Right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Vivian Asimos and go check out the website incidentalmythology.com. Woo. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, Holly, for joining us. I had a great time. Thank you for having mm. me. This has been really fun. I never get that's to talk about cosplay like this. <laughs> well, then I must talk to you more often. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. And thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye, folks. Bye. <laughs>